0: From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker and editor of the CQ Budget Newsletter. And back with me today is Jennifer Schutt, who covers appropriations for CQ Roll Call. Good to have you, Jen.
1: Thanks for having me, David.
0: And while we wait for this year's appropriations process to get underway, you had an interesting story, Jen, last week that I wanted to talk about because it outlines the challenges that Congress is facing this year with tight spending limits because they're, they're much tighter than last year's.
1: Right, there's a there's going to be a narrow increase to both defense and non-defense discretionary spending in fiscal year 2021 which begins on October 1st. That is going to be about 2.5 billion for non-defense discretionary spending and about another 2.5 billion for defense discretionary programs. And compared to the last few fiscal years and the amount of spending increases that Congress has had to accommodate a lot of these kind of increasing and growing programs, that is a pretty um, narrow cap adjustment. And so there's a lot of conversations already taking place behind the scenes between um, various departments as they put together this, this budget request, the White House's budget request, which we expect to be set up to the Hill on February 10th. And then as appropriators and their staff start to look at what they want to do with the 12 annual funding bills this year, there's a lot of concern about how they're going to take care of all these additional needs, particularly with VA healthcare programs within this narrow cap adjustment.
0: Yeah. When you say $2.5 billion, that can sound like a lot of money, of course, but we're talking about an increase, a total increase in discretionary spending of less than 1%, maybe a little less than a half of a percent.
1: Yeah. So from fiscal year 2019 to fiscal year 2020, which is the fiscal year we're in right now, there was about a 4% increase for discretionary spending. From fiscal year 2020, the current fiscal year we're in, to fiscal year 21, it's going to be 0.4%, which is really narrow, especially within the the total view of a one point three seven. Trillion discretionary yeah, so budget—it's
0: essentially flat funding. We're talking about there's hardly any increase there at all.
1: It's a narrow increase. Yeah. It's not technically flat funding,
0: right? But a, I mean, zero point four is pretty pretty close to zero. So I mean, there's very little wiggle room here for an, for any increase in anything. Correct. So given those tight limits, and then you highlighted a particular problem because there's there's little room. As it is, and and you you highlighted a real problem with veterans' healthcare.
1: Yeah. So within that 2.5 billion additional dollars for non-defense discretionary programs, those are a lot of programs, right? There's agriculture research in there. There's the National Institutes of Health and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Those are non-defense discretionary programs. So there's a lot of areas in here where this 2.5 billion dollars is supposed to go, um, and so. That was always going to be a challenge for appropriators, just kind of trying to figure out what programs need additional funding and how to kind of give what is going to be a very small slice of pie to a lot of different departments and agencies. Um, But one of the really problematic issues... That's facing Congress um, and to a large degree the Trump administration this year is what to do with what's known as the VA Mission Act. Um, This used to be called the VA Choice Program. And so, back after the 2014 scandal at the Department of Veterans Affairs with respect to wait times and the quality and type and access to health care for veterans, what Congress did was pass something called the VA Choice Program and they gave that about $10 billion in additional mandatory appropriations. And this is the really important thing to remember when Congress kind of redid this program and it went from the VA choice program to the VA mission program in 2018. They moved the classification from the mandatory side of things, which is essentially an autopilot. It doesn't take place in the annual budget and appropriations process. It's things like it's typically Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. They exist in the mandatory side of the federal budget. Um, And so they moved it to the discretionary side of the federal budget, which are these 12 annual spending bills that Congress has to work out with the White House and that are subject to these spending caps.
0: Right. So all of a sudden, this program has to compete with all these other discretionary programs for this limited pot of of overall money.
1: Right. And one of the really big concerns we heard from both Republican and Democratic appropriators when this decision was made with respect to the VA Mission Act and continuing this sort of community care program for veterans, where instead of having to go to the VA for their health care in certain situations, I believe there's five broad reasons that you are allowed to use the community choice program if you're a veteran, they um, they move that to the discretionary side.
0: So they moved it to the discretionary side. So now the, this, this veterans' health care program has to compete with all these other discretionary programs. And – it could need an increase of a few billion dollars alone, right?
1: Right. This is one of the big concerns when it moved from the mandatory side to the discretionary side is that it is growing very quickly and that it needs a lot of additional funding. And so one of the things that it's going to need in fiscal 2021 is almost all of that $2.5 billion increase to for all non-defense discretionary programs. So there's already talk about whether or not Congress and the Trump administration should try to get a cap adjustment or an exemption for the VA Mission Act specifically so that it is not subject to that annual spending cap. I think that's really unlikely. Um, The administration already sounds like they're pretty opposed to that. And so there's going to be a lot of um, hand wringing and a lot of kind of. Looking at the numbers from appropriators this year as they try to figure out how to handle this kind of narrow increase to non-defense discretionary spending and accommodate the really rapid growth in the VA Mission Act, yeah, and we care. And we should healthcare. say
0: this, this this VA mission program is, is so popular because what it does is give veterans access to private health care outside of the VA system when there's long waits or or too long a distance to travel off to go to a VA hospital. And so more and more veterans are seizing this opportunity to wanting outside private care and and costs are ballooning, right?
1: Right. So instead of having to make an appointment at a VA health care facility, it's just veterans can just kind of do what the rest of us do, go to right. a primary care provider or a specialist in your community. It's community care.
0: Right. And so if this increases by billions of dollars, it's eating up possibly the entire $2.5 billion that's available of an increase for non-defense programs or close to it. We don't know the exact figures yet, but but that's the concern, right?
1: We have a pretty good idea of what the numbers will be, but we don't have an exact idea until sure. the Trump administration sends its budget request to Capitol Hill on February 10th. We'll get a much clearer idea then.
0: Sure. And I see Doug Sordas here, our colleague on the appropriations team who also covers tax policy. <laughs> Doug, do you want to weigh in on this and what it means for appropriations this year? A, a per, so, I'm sorry, David. I, I wasn't really listening. I'm. I can't stop reading about all these impeachment stories. It's like one story after another. The, the resolution the of Do you understand the the resolution at all, no, Doug? I know everybody wants to talk impeachment, but there's about a thousand podcasts right this second taping about impeachment. Uh, I think we're you here went to in, talk about. I think you went into the stuff. wrong studio.
1: Yeah, you need to go next door. Okay, I'll go Get back out. to the mic. Okay, bye.
0: Well, okay. We can overcome that interruption and, and return to our...
1: Our regularly scheduled budget appropriations programming.
0: So you said there there's we're hearing some push for a cap adjustment that would make this this VA mission money exempt from the spending cap and and allow them to provide extra for that.
1: And there is a precedent for that. This year they did it with additional funding for the census. But one of the issues is that when Congress and the Trump administration reached agreement on that two-year spending deal back in last July which was for fiscal 20 and fiscal 21 they worked that census cap adjustment into the agreement there was nothing for VA mission act worked into the agreement and it sounds like even though republicans and democrats are kind of thinking about that as a possibility when i checked in with the office of management and budget they just said you know we're going to do this within the caps we're we're going to fund va mission but we're going to do it within the caps and there's also some conversations from fiscal fiscal conservatives i talked to Republican Senator James Lankford he's an appropriator and he said, you know, this is additional funding. We've had a lot of spending increases for discretionary spending in these last few years. We can find the money for VA MISSION Act somewhere, right? Like there's some there's some programs that we could reduce spending to in order to find this within the 1.37 trillion discretionary budget.
0: And we should say this is an election year and, and fiscal conservatives are certainly not going to want to stray from these spending limits. Uh, they want to be able to say they're living under these spending limits. And certainly, President Trump wants to be able to say he's holding the line on spending and living under these limits. And so it 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 makes it much more difficult to consider exempting this money, right? I yeah, mean, it's, it's going
1: to be a really challenging conversation all around this year and how to fund key programs that are bipartisan. And so this isn't VA Mission Act and, you know, the National Institutes of Health comes to mind as well, are these these departments or these programs that have a lot of bipartisan support throughout Congress. And so I think we're going to see members of both parties trying to figure out how to make this math
0: work. Right. And just by way of comparison, I mean, I know like the National Institutes of Health, which is always, always very popular to fund for medical research, they've been getting an annual increase of something like $2 billion a year alone, well, if the total pot of money available for an increase is 2.5 and we've got this VA mission money that's sucking up more costs, it's hard to see how there's any room for something like that at NIH.
1: Yeah. It sounds like a lot of the people who promote non-defense discretionary spending programs or who advocate on behalf of healthcare funding, it sounds like everyone has a realistic view of what the fiscal 21 process is going to be about. and it's They're not expecting massive plus-ups in spending like they've gotten in recent years. I think everyone is kind of expecting their funding to stay about level with some key increases for those big bipartisan programs like the National Institutes of Health. And then I think they're already starting to, in terms of my conversations with some of these stakeholders, they're already starting to look towards the fiscal 22 process because Because at that point in time, we will be outside of these spending caps debates, essentially, that 2011 deficit reduction law, which has forced the House, the Senate, and the White House to come to the table and sort of deal with these austere spending limits that were set by that 2011 law. That is gone at the end of fiscal 21. So we go back to how the budget and appropriations process is actually supposed to work with the budget committees setting that total top-line discretionary spending level or that 302A. And so in terms, it really sounds like some of these these organizations are already starting to kind of move past fiscal 21 in their thinking and already sort of figure out how they're going to work for 22.
0: So they might be able to live with a freeze this year knowing that, that uh, more money might be possible starting in fiscal 2022. Right. And of course, border wall funding if Trump wants an increase in border wall funding that also competes with this
1: yes with the caveat that he's been taking it from other areas he'll
0: divert from other from other yeah. funding but if he if he if he's hoping for any <laughs> sizable increase in border wall funding uh, to be appropriated by congress directly that obviously that's in the same bind as every every other program here. There's there's not much room for that.
1: Correct, and that that border wall funding allocation takes place within the Department of Homeland Security appropriations bill. And there's a lot of other areas in that bill, um, in terms of its total allocation, that border wall funding is going to have to compete with.
0: Okay, and I see Doug is back with us. I guess you've you've. Um found something in the budget that might be able to be cut so that we can find extra room now for for VA mission spending no not really I'm kind of mired in this Dershowitz argument and and he keeps pointing back to 1868 and and Andrew Johnson's impeachment and I I guess I need to go read about that now all right well then I give up Does it for us today. If you have any questions or comments about our podcast, we'd love to hear from you. You can drop us an email at cqpodcast at cqrollcall.com. The CQ Budget Podcast is produced by CQ Roll Call. It's a leader in nonpartisan political and policy news and analysis for more than 70 years. CQ Roll Call is part of Fiscal Note, a global technology and media company. My thanks again to Jennifer Schutt, our appropriations reporter, for joining me. Thanks, Jen. Thanks for
1: having me.
0: And thanks to Doug Sword, I guess. Thanks, Doug. Always great to be here, David. Do
1: we need to thank him?
0: I guess we do. And thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. You can stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ Budget Newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, NPR One, or just Google the phrase CQ Budget Podcast. And we'll be back next week.